Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and last week in part one of our Ambush Survival series, we laid a foundation for not only how to prevent a no-warning attack from happening, but also started to get into some of the exact tactics that you can use to survive an ambush, even if you're completely caught off guard. Now, we had some great advice from our listeners on the blog. Howard Davis agrees that this type of attack scenario is happening more frequently in today's troubled times of political unrest and protest. While our regular contributor, Sam W., shared his own radar story, as well as his sound advice to avoid face-in phone syndrome. Now, this week in the final episode of our series, we're going to dig deep into the specific tactics that anyone can use to survive an ambush, as well as how to train for this type of attack now. I'd love to hear your own comments, stories, and tips. So, be sure to leave a comment on the Modern Combat Survival blog. But for now, let's go ahead and pick up where we left off in Part 1. Check out the second half of our interview now. Bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging. Would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive. If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Let, let's go back to the physical response again a little bit. So you're so... You know, we know what the primary targets are now. We know that there are secondary targets that can help open up the eyes, and sometimes it's just whatever you can get to. But I'm really curious what, you know, your techniques are from the confront system, what your go-to techniques are. So if we do get into past the principle, more into technique, if we know the primary targets are the eyes and throat or whatever, let me tell us a little bit about what you think. What are your, like, three favorite strikes or attacks that you would use to overwhelm an, an attacker to be able to hit these primary targets? Well, it's, um, I, I know I'm asked this a lot, and uh, I probably really annoy people asking this question, because I always say it depends. Uh, the, the, the principle we, we really go with here is you know, the opponent dictates the fight. So my, my favorite technique is the one that's worse for my opponent. So if, if he is covered up everywhere but his groin, my favorite technique is going to be in either the groin or front kick to the groin if I'm at distance. If this guy is, uh, you know, he, he's got one hand holding a beer and the other one's in my face, my favorite technique might be to grab that uh, fending hand in my face and just drill him right in the throat. It really depends. It depends on my opponent's positioning. It depends on my positioning. Uh, it depends on my emotional state and his emotional state. So, um Again, I'm not trying to be evasive, but it really comes down to how You're much... being evasive. I want the <laughs> magic monkey kick. Not... <laughs> I usually do the magic monkey kick after a couple backflips. <laughs> Only then do I unleash the magic monkey kick. What, but... what are the strikes that you like people to, to train so they can be proficient in, so they can, they can pull it out depending upon what the situation is? What do you think are the ones that are, like for eye strikes, what do you like? Are you more of a poker? Or are you more of a <laughs> claw? Or, you know what I mean? Well, to uh, to apply simple math to it, you know, uh, open hands, you now have ten weapons, right? Five fingers in each hand. If if I'm adopting a tactical stance, which is really, it's not a fighting stance, I've got my hands up in front of my shoulders, the more palm my opponent sees, the more submissive I look. The more submissive I look, the less of a threat I am. The less of a threat I am to him, 
um, the more element of surprise I can unleash on him and psychologically defeat him. So, long story to say, I prefer to keep both hands open. I don't just poke my eye with one finger. I will have a hand open going to the eyes, and one of those five fingers is getting into an eyeball. So, uh, I like linear strikes because they're direct. Uh, it's a simple extension of your of your arm. Um, you know, kicking someone effectively that demands quite a bit of training to to know how to transfer your weight quickly, uh, swivel your hips quickly, snap out a kick. You're also on one leg and. Uh, you're, you're vulnerable for a takedown there, which, again, being on the ground, a, a dangerous place to be in the street. So uh, we like to keep things pretty simple, straight, linear techniques, going to the primary targets. Um, we, In terms of a street um, uh, arsenal, I prefer palm strikes over over um, over punches because, you know, anyone who's followed Mike Tyson in his career, remember that infamous night... Uh, in New York, and I think it was Harlem where he uh, split Mitch Green's face open with a punch, but Mike broke two, three bones in his hand. Yeah. If, uh, if Mitch could have taken a better punch, uh, it could have been a bad evening for Mike because uh, he was a one-handed fighter. So I try to avoid teaching punches for the street because uh, you, you can hurt your hand, especially if you're teaching women who have smaller hands. And a lot of people think, you know, punch someone in the face. The, the skull is a lot of hard bone there. Uh, I'm going to lose a weapon if I try to punch this guy and he ducks. It actually happened to me training for a boxing match many years ago. I popped my index finger knuckle out because I was going for a jab with a 16-ounce glove on. My opponent slipped, and I punched him on top of the forehead. Out went my knuckle. So punches are really quite dangerous for yourself to throw. So palm strikes, um, uh, eye strikes, finger jabs with an open hand are great. Uh, elbows are really nice because you can get so much torque. Uh, it's close to your, your center line. You get a simple hip rotation. It, it doesn't take more than 10 minutes to, to teach someone how to rotate your hips and apply an elbow strike. A lot of, lot of power going through. A 105-pound woman can hurt someone with, with her elbow strike. So, again, I have to keep it simple, direct. Um, what about for the throat? You brought that up as a primary target. So what's your, what's your favorite um, way, if you were to train with a, with a Bob Dummy or whatever, What's your favorite go-to move for that throat strike that's, that's a primary target? Well, assuming I've got a clear line to the throat, I'll probably just go in with a C-strike. It's simple. I don't have to get fancy with my hand positioning. It's very close to where my hands are from a tactical stance. So I just extend my hand straight into someone's throat. That C made by my thumb and my index finger, that forms a really nice weapon going to the throat. I could even just use the end of my thumb going down to the bottom of the throat. Or you could even grab for the trach and try to, if you can put your fingers around his trach and behind, this guy is, uh, <laughs> he's not doing so well. So, um, almost, if you can get to that throat, I even try to grab behind the trach. I know it sounds a little brutal, but it'll get his attention. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's, um, let's go ahead and apply some of these now to some scenario based stuff. Um, I know we had some questions and some people that have been ambushed before, and, and I have too. I gotta tell you, I've been sucker punched twice in my life. And um, and uh, I was fortunate that I, I don't know. I, I this isn't bragging. I just I think that I've got some sort of an iron jaw that just for some reason allows me to absorb a punch. I don't like to get punched, but I remember um, being sucker punched. I had no idea it was coming, and it just kind of jarred my head and snapped back. But when I look back on that situation, it's not the physical aspect of it that I'm, I'm most aware of, it's really that of how unaware I was leading into it. Because it's somebody that I had a confrontation with, 
and I thought it was over. And as they started to walk away, and I started to walk away, they turned around and just slammed me right in the side of the jaw. So I want to go over some of the scenario-based stuff here. And um, I think the best thing to do is go right to the phones first, because I know that we had um, at least one person here. So I'm going to go ahead and um, start to walk away. Let's see. Uh, Dustin, are you there? Yes. Okay, Dustin, uh, let's go ahead and um, I know you had put in a question into the uh, the form as well, but go ahead and um, go ahead and ask your question. Yeah, um, I uh, am uh, somewhat recently disabled. I've been training you know, ever since I was a little boy. Um, I'm with my wife now. She's uh, had quite a bit of traditional training, but you know I'm now trying to work with some other things. Being disabled, you know, first of all, I've had to dial up my alertness, you know, way up, or I feel like I have to to be safe. Um, if it's something like that, you know, I mean, we're kind of now we're developing strategies like, you know, maybe you have a throwaway wallet in case somebody came out and tried that. Um, if it was one of those things that it would came down, would you advise, would there ever be a situation where, you know, I might advise trying to maybe temporarily look even a little more disabled than I uh, my um, my disabilities with mobility. I'm you know 260 pound weightlifter, but you know, I use a cane to get around. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, would you ever advise maybe for just a second if I needed to set up, you know, try to set or we'd be setting up our attack? It wouldn't be just me, you know, to try to maybe look a little more disabled, saying a little more disability, try to do something if that's what I was going to need to to affect our escape. Uh, that's a first great, off, that's Dustin, a great uh, question. Dustin, I'm going to go ahead and mute you back out. He's got a little bit of background okay. noise there, but if you want to ask another question, you can just go ahead and press star two again. Um, that's a that's a great question. Um, so basically, you know, <laughs> look, if they don't want to play fair, then why should we play fair? So is it advisable to maybe, you know, fake it a little bit or maybe act more disabled? Or even if it's somebody, you know, like Dustin has a, a disability, he might, he, or, you know, I don't even want to call it a disability, but... He's walking, he has a cane, so can he, you know, is it advisable to make it look like he's more disabled so that he can get a surprise attack in there? And I guess this goes toward anybody. Is there, are, there, are there ways that people can, or should they, um, you know, feign, I don't know, uh, uh, some curb your enthusiasm is coming to mind with, like, uh, <laughs> the faked heart attack, you know? It's like, oh, yeah. my God, I'm good. And, you know, can you use that? Have you, uh, have you ever approached this at all in your training, Andrew? Uh, well, first off, great question, Dustin, and welcome to the uh, to the uh, uh, webinar today. Um, you know, number one, there are no rules, right? It's uh, the, the the first assumption the attacker has made is that you're vulnerable. If he didn't think you were vulnerable, if he didn't think you were an easy mark, he'd go somewhere else. So, uh, what we basically teach is uh, can, uh, basically develop. Let, let let him feel as confident as possible. I'd rather have this guy. Uh, you know, not, I'd rather have this guy blindfolded to my abilities than to let him know that he, he just made a wrong decision uh, until the last microsecond. So he, he's picked you as a market. So if someone's starting up with you, and, you know, if you're, if you're walking with a cane, so you, you're already visually you're indicating to him that you may not have your full mobility. So he's picked you because he thinks you're an easy mark. I would let him continue in that belief as long as I possibly could, um, until it was time to strike back because, the again, the element of surprise you're going to unleash on him is going to cause so much psychological trauma 
the impact of your strikes will be amplified by the emotional duress you're putting him under. So I'd say, yeah, go for it. If it uh, if this if it blinds him to your ability to defend yourself, fantastic. It's, it's going to hurt him that much more when you're forced to go there. I wouldn't advocate enticing an attack to test out your skills, <laughs> but like I said, if he's picked you, uh, go along with it as far as you can. Milk it if you can, because you're basically blinding him to your ability to counterattack. So I see nothing wrong with that. It's 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 fair game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we did get another question from John from Pittsburgh, and I, this is a very, very common um, ambush attack, and I wanted to get Andrew's um, opinion on this. Um, uh, John writes in, my nephew was walking to his car in Pittsburgh last weekend and was blindside punched in the mouth, totally unexpected, by a person walking past him. He was lucky to get away, but what should he have done to prevent this? Okay, well, I, I hate getting into what or should or could or being an armchair quarterback, but uh, I'm, I'm going to get back to uh, the beginning of our conversation tonight is uh, having some further developed awareness skills that if someone's passing within arm's reach of me where, where they can clock me with a punch, uh, my eyes are on them. I, 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 they're on my radar. So my uh, I'm going from a potential surprise mindset to a suspicion mindset. And when you're in a suspicion mindset, you're thinking what could go wrong with the situation, We're playing that what-if game. And so your ability to react or to respond is enhanced. Now, if, if you're saying to me, what do you do if you're punched in the face, <laughs> my answer is you go, shit, that hurt, and you get your hands up and you, and you fight back. But what we're really talking about here is what could he have done differently without knowing too much about the situation because uh, there's so many different variables. I think it really comes down to it sounds like this guy got within arm's reach, was able to clock him with the punch. Um, I'm saying develop those awarenesses a little bit more so someone doesn't get in, within your arm's reach. I might sometimes, if someone's approaching me and I'm a little uncomfortable with the with the range, I might... Uh, you know, just nervously scratch my left shoulder with my right hand. Just get my hands up. Just normal body language just to get my arm up. So if the guy does want to punch at me, I've got at least a hand up. So it's, it's normal body language, but I'm kind of positioning myself in an actual stance, awareness point of view, uh, to be able to counter him. So those are some tips, but it sounds like he got way too close, way too quickly, and that's how the sucker happened. I love that tip. I mean, that's that's gold right there, everybody that's listening right now. That's absolute gold. So, you know, the thing is, and anybody that's, um, you know, I know we have, a, like, a lot of law enforcement. We have a lot of military that are members. Um, we have some executive protection professionals and things like that. Anybody that's ever done protection, especially a lot of military now, has been used to this, which is, you know, you never know when attack is going to come. You know, ambush is part of the military persona, as well as, to you know, executive protection, you're constantly looking at when is the ambush going to happen. You always have to assume that the threat is out there, uh, not just be aware that it could be out there. You have to assume that today's the day, something's going to happen, and I need to be aware because I need to be there when it actually happens. So, you know, being a, being just walking down the street, you kind of have to stereotype some. You've got to be able to look, you know, is it a little old lady that you're walking, uh, that you're going to be walking by, or is it somebody who isn't dressed, you know, very well, or maybe they're fidgety, or maybe they're drunk, maybe they're with their friends, you know, any of those that you, if you're, like uh, Andrew says, your spidey sense is tingling, 
I love that tip of just nervously, you know, just bringing your hand up to scratch the side of your face, um, just scratch your head a little bit so that your hand is up there and you're already kind of, you know, in deflection mode as you go by them. Um, it's not paranoia. It's just self-protection. It's self-awareness and, and awareness of your surroundings. Um, that's golden, Andrew. Thanks so much for that. Really, really good one. Um, let's let's take somebody that you know it's a true like ambush from behind. So let's say it is like you're at the bar or whatever, and um, somebody comes up and shoves you from behind. Not a lot you can do unless you have eyes in the back of your head. But you know you're you're obviously you know lunging forward because somebody's behind you and they start with that shove. Anything? What what would you? Applying your principles, what would you say would be a good response to this type of an ambush? Well, I, I guess it comes down to, again, how are you shoved? Were you, you shoved square on your shoulders? Were you going forward? Uh, were you shoved more on the right where you're spinning? So it depends. Is there a bit of torque to your spin? How much room do you have between where you are and the bar or a wall or a chair? Um, again, a lot of depends here. Uh, you're going to go, you're going to know from that energy what type of strength has hit you. You're going to get a sense of, of the size, a lot of the stuff that you know we teach for close border combat, you can do blindfolded. It's it's like that you know classic uh, kung fu example, fighting in a phone booth, and that's where most confrontations start and end, and that's where they go down. So if I'm shoved from behind, <laughs> physically, I, I'm assuming I'm surprised. I did not know the shove was coming, so I'm totally blindsided. Um, again, we're going to assume this guy wasn't even on my radar. For some unknown, for some reason unknown to me, he shoved me. My body's going to go forward. Um, when I when I do spin around, my hands are up. Um, what what I would probably do is try to adopt. Uh, you know, as I spin around, I'm going to see who my attacker is. I'm going to get my hands up right away because that's the sucker's coming, right? Something's coming right after that shove. If I'm being shoved against the bar. Are there some improvised weapons in front of me? The, the classic beer bottle, some some cutlery. Uh, what what is actually um, in, in my vicinity that I can use as an improvised weapon? So these are the things that if I'm if I'm standing at the bar, my awareness already picked up what my natural weapons are, what my improvised weapons could be, uh, who the people are within my surroundings, uh, bar stool, etc. So based on that, when I'm spinning around, my hands are up, and then again, depending on what opening the uh, my predator uh, gives me th that's that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna respond. So again, it, it's a tough situation. You're talking about being totally blindsided, but uh, again, I would spin, get the hands up, and then uh, I would when I got my hands up, I wouldn't have them in clenched fists, assuming that the fight is on. I would still try to um, portray uh, a submissive a submissive physiology here, where it's like, hey, buddy, what are you starting with me for? Look at the size of you, like. Let me buy you a beer or something. The, the psychology is on. The, psycho the psychological warfare is on where I constantly want him to underestimate me. Those yeah, and like you said, that shove, you know, if somebody shoves you from behind, yeah. that's different than punching you from behind. Punching, they want to take you out from behind. Shoving, yeah. though, is like, hey, man, and, you know, that's, that's where I can see the smooth. A punch, you know, you might want to spin around and <laughs> throw a beer bottle at somebody. But like you said, I mean, judging what it is, you know, maybe that shove is just somebody trying to, you know, kind of intimidate you or whatever and, and get in that first shot of intimidation to make you back down or whatever. So um, that's great to gauge that. I guess I guess the very first thing that we we haven't even touched on, I suppose, but especially in this situation is, 
if you're in, if you are in a confrontation at all, don't turn your back on the person that you're confronting. You know, if you uh, somebody somebody if you're at a bar as an example and somebody starts you know, giving you a hard time, don't just dismiss them as, yeah, whatever, buddy, and turn your back to them. That person's a threat. As soon as you, as soon as you, you know, um, kind of get that first sign that this person might have some sort of a beef with you, um, don't turn your back on them. That's where you're going to get this shove from behind, like, hey, I'm talking to you. And, um, and like, you know, like you said, there are different kinds of shoves, I guess. There's like two hands square in the back of the shoulders to push you forward and over a table or a chair or whatever. And then there's the, the one-handed on the, you know, right side of your body to make you spin around. Like, hey, I'm talking to you to get you to, to go around like that. Well, I think so, you made a fantastic distinction there, Jeff, is that if you're being shoved, um, your, your attacker, your opponent, he's not ready to fully commit to the attack because if he was, he would, right? Yeah. He, he would actually come in full bore with, you know, if, if anyone knows anything about ground fighting, put the guy in a sleeper, take him out, right? Or like you said, punch him in the back of the head, smoke him in the back of the head with a with a beer bottle. He is not ready. He is he's looking for you to give him some fuel to amp him up to throw that haymaker, right? So. Yeah. The, the, the fact of the matter is he is trying to get amped up for that attack. It is a possible scenario. And, again, I, I try to keep this guy blind to my ability to, to counter until the very last microsecond when it's the biggest shock to him. Yeah. Great. Um, let's, uh, so just a, a couple more here. Uh, what about the, um, the, loud, the loud mouth woofer at the bar that... Um, is a, a square on face to face. You're trying to like, hey man, I'm uh, you know, like I don't want any problems. Let me buy you a beer or whatever. You know, I, I guess in in our minds we're hoping that we will be able to just buy them a beer and we can all laugh it off or whatever. But um, let's let's review again some of those signs that you know somebody might reach out and sucker punch you. It's like when. What are some of the things we can look for to decide, okay, this person is going to let me buy them a beer, or this person's decided that, you know what, not good enough, and he's probably going to hit me? Okay, great question, and very, very common situation. Um, first off, what I do want to underline is go with your gut. Your, your instincts are, are the, the best thermometer of the situation. So if your gut is telling you, oh, shit, this guy's going to suck at me, I might not be popular here with what I'm going to say, and I <laughs> may be uh, making some comments that law enforcement wouldn't like to hear, but if I know someone's going to suck at me, if I've got certainty in my heart this guy's going to suck at me, I'm going to suck at him first because I don't want to find out if I can take his punch. So that, that's, that's psychologically, if I have switched gears and I'm in a certainty mindset that I'm going to be attacked, I now have to take action. If if I can evade, if I can get the heck out of the situation, obviously I will do that. But if I if I have certainty someone's going to attack me, I have to now be within a microsecond, be pre-countering a preemptive strike, so to speak, before I'm suckered. Again, so this this implies all the escalation tactics have have failed, right? So the classic, let me buy you a beer. Um, what you can do is obviously start positioning yourself so if the, if the guy is uh, standing left side forward, you can't see his right hand. You can, you could, if you can't see his right hand, you can imagine he's either holding a beer bottle, knife, or he's clenching a fist. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start angle away a little bit. So I'm going to angle 
to his left, creating a greater distance between his uh, potential weapon and my face. So if he, if I do that angling and I see him shift, if I see him shift his stance, I just know he, that's his, that's his tell. He just told me he wasn't comfortable with that target getting out of reach. He wants to now uh, size me up or line me up for that strike. That would be a tell because I, uh, with, with my body language, I've got him to reveal he's going to sucker me. Yeah. So that, that's, that's one tip. Again, my hands are up. I'm not taking my eyes off anything. So I'm seeing everything without fixating on one thing. Um, I'm, I'm doing my verbal de-escalation. I'm also checked out behind him where are his buddies getting, <laughs> getting ready to, to help out. And again, if I've got certainty, this is a personal decision everyone's going to make. I can't tell you what to do, but if I've got certainty I'm going to be attacked, I'm, I'm acting. There's no time for indecision or inaction or hoping or being in a, a state of denial that, oh, shit, I hope he doesn't sucker me. You, you've got to act. How you act is your decision, but if you're in certainty, it, it's time to get the, time to pull that trigger. Yeah, and just to review some of the other uh, points that you brought up earlier as far as, like, the micro-awareness, you know, is it their hand positioning? Can you see both of their hands? If they have a hand in their pocket where they might be carrying a weapon, you know, gives you a little bit more uh, justification to be able to explain to the police why you struck first as well. Um, you know, are they wearing, you know, loose clothing where they might be concealing a weapon? Um, you, you mentioned weight distribution before. You know, are they leaning to one side? Are they kind of cocked back? Are they bringing, like, their, their, their main power hand? Are they, like, getting it ready? Are their, are their fists, are their fists clenched? Um, you also brought up earlier, what is their breathing pattern? Um, yeah. You know, are they are they starting to you know, even even not just like whether or not they're inhaling or exhaling, but is their breathing getting faster? Is it is it seem like they're getting the adrenaline going? Do you do you notice the adrenaline flowing in their system? Is and, their face? Uh, yeah, their face and the the blood leaves the face. Uh, you know, if the if the face actually changes colors quite dramatically, they're undergoing an adrenaline dump. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting what you're saying, you know, as we talk about the breathing, I look back at some of the altercations I've been in, and I remember one of the first times I was jumped, my, and I could recall it with absolute clarity right now, my breathing accel- accelerated to such a point where uh, I was just short of panting. Like, I remember my chest heaving because my body is getting amped up. It's getting in all that oxygen, um, and you, your body's getting ready for fight or flight, right? So... Again, I don't want to come across as um, uh, trying to convince people to, to start punching people in the face, but I think it really comes down to uh, avoiding that sense of denial. And if if you've got certainty it's it's going down, then you've got to act. And uh, and we've talked about all the telltale signs to look at. Number one is your gut as well. You, you see, once you become unaware of being aware, all these signs that you're picking up visually, auditorily, kinesthetically. This becomes part of your subconscious almost because these aren't active thoughts anymore, but you're picking up on it, and your gut is going to be a synthesis of all this information coming in, and he's going to do something. You're going to shift weight, and all of a sudden there's going to be an expression on his face, maybe a heaving of his chest or a slight angling, and you're going to know. And in that microsecond, you better be able to act. And that's what we talked about is making that decision before you're in that situation. That's what you know the, the, the service you provide, Jeff, is fantastic because – we get people to ask those questions of themselves before they're, they're forced to. Yeah. Andrew, I want to go through uh, just one more quick scenario here that I think is probably, you know, again, one of the more common ambush attacks, and that's basically the street criminal 
uh, who's targeted you, who's, who's the predator on the street, who might be hiding in an alley, hiding around the corner of a building as you're coming, um, waiting for you behind a car, behind a van, behind a tree or whatever when you get into the, um, when you're ready to get into the car. It could be a woman who's got groceries in her hands and, and a predator is, is waiting for her. Um, you know, obviously these are, these are very, very difficult. We're dealing with somebody who's probably done this several times. Bingo. They know how to ambush very well, but what is the, um, you know, what are those, the best response for somebody that does all of a sudden notice that either somebody's lunging at them or, you know, about, you know, when they're near their car or turning around a corner to be able to respond to that? Well, again, it really comes down to the nature of the threat, right? If it's, uh, and it's, it's so hard to assess sometimes when we don't have yeah. that time. So, you know, is this, is this an attack for property? Does he want, you know, a woman's jewelry, uh, wallet? Uh, does he want the keys to her car? Or is it a physical attack? Uh, chances are it's, it's not starting off right out of the bat with some guy just, you know, leaping out of a car and just on top of a woman. Um, so if, if we're talking about where it's, it's a carjacking, et cetera, where, you know, you gotta, you gotta rehearse this in your mind first. So, you know, one tip we give to women is if, if you're approaching your car, you've got your baby in a stroller, you've got some groceries, and a guy comes, jumps at you from behind your car, you know, with a weapon, says, you know, give me, give me the keys. So, uh, assuming you, you, you've opened the hatchback of your car and you're starting to load your car, I ask women, what do you put in the car first, your child or the groceries? And I get mixed responses, and the, the quote, right answer is your groceries. Because if, if you're forced to give your car away, it's a very easy decision. You don't have to fight with your, for your life or your child's life, who's now strapped in the baby car seat. It's a bunch of groceries in your car. All can be replaced. So going through some of those mental rehearsals is helpful because you made that decision before the confrontation actually occurs. So... Again, if it's, uh, you know, we've probably all heard that example of taking a key, throwing them one way, running the other. Um, you know, is, is this, uh, are you out in the middle of the street, in the back, are you in an underground parking lot? The environment is going to dictate your response as well. So it's kind of a loaded question and it depends on so many variables. Um, my assumption, the way you describe the situation is it's, uh, the confrontation is still at a, at a verbal level where the person is making a demand. And depending on how you assess that demand and your options, that, that's going to basically determine your response. Yeah, that's a great point about the. Um, I, I hadn't heard that before about putting your groceries your kid in. That's great. And also, I mean, some things that just came to my mind thinking back to your awareness examples. Um, again, you know, it, it's amazing how it keeps coming back to those those types of things that you were talking about earlier. I mean, you know, what came to my mind um, using those was, you know. Being able to use your surroundings to be able so that you can basically see behind you, like you know, if you're if you're at your car, using the uh, the windows as basically like a mirror to be able to you know most people don't look at that though you know you look you don't look at the windows you're looking through the windows or you're looking into the back seat when actually you know during the day they make a very good mirror and you can actually see behind you. Um, also, you know, maybe around the corner or something, you know, shadows. But a lot of people don't even take into account shadows. And if you get, you know, you're walking toward the corner of a building or something, and there's a street light or the sun is even, you can you can make the outline of a of a person around the corner. Um, are you aware of those? Again, it's amazing how it all comes back to awareness. But really, when it comes to an ambush, what else do you have? 
You know, I mean, it, it, exactly. You're, you're you trying know? to buy some time for yourself. So if right. you think about it, like, why do we lock, you know, uh, why do we lock our front doors at night and put the home alarm on? Like, if someone really wants to invade our homes, they will get in our homes. But locking the front door buys us a few seconds because it's going to take a few seconds for them to, to, to breach the door. If we have the alarm on, no, it's not going to stop them, but now it alerts us, gives us a few more seconds to respond. So it's all about buying time for yourself. If the person's committed to attacking you, they're going to attack you. But how can you stack the deck in your favor? What, what signs can you pick up on that are going to give you the, the amount of time you need to switch gears out of surprise and into certainty? And that's what, that's what the awareness skills do. They help you switch those psychological gears so you stop being in a victimized mindset where you're, you're basically on your psychological heels. You're back on your heels going, oh, shit, what just happened to, okay, what am I going to do about it? And that's where the awareness skills uh, help you switch those gears and get you into action as opposed to reaction. That's great. That's great stuff. And get by yourself some time. So that, and then it's, just a, then it's a matter of knowing you know, when you have that space, when you bought that time, when you were able to give yourself that, that chance to regain the offense, uh, knowing what techniques that you can use to take this person out quickly, as Andrew said. And that's a great segue in to the end of this, uh, this workshop. Hey, everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival. Jumping back into the end of our archive broadcast for Ambush Survival Series, I noticed there was one thing missing once I listened to this old broadcast that we had from the International Society of Close Quarter Combatants, and that was how do you train for an ambush, for that unexpected attack? Well, let me give you a few tips that have come up over the years with me training with different people and developing our own methods. So, one, you'll notice that in our broadcast, both part one and part two, we talk a lot about awareness because the best way to survive an ambush attack is to know that it's coming and be able to prevent it in the first place, right? Well, we've had some great tips over the years for how you can actually prepare for this and how you can actually raise your awareness of everything around you. And one of the tips that I've, I've uh, discovered was in being able to look for specific things during your workday. So it might be um, it might be red shoes, it might be uh, a red dress, it might be a, a blue tie. So you just set something for the day that you want to find out in your workday or at school or wherever you go during the day, out, out when you're out shopping at the grocery store that you're on the lookout for whatever you set up as your trigger item for the day. So let's say it's a, a red dress. You want to count how many red dresses you see during the day. Well, it's going to force you to be aware of your surroundings, right? So you're, no matter where you go, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking for a red dress. But it gets you in the habit of actually being more aware of your surroundings on purpose and it's that habit that can help you be aware of other things that are going to be outside the baseline, like potential criminal attacks that are looking to ambush you. Okay, so that's, that's one tip for awareness. But how can you actually prepare for an ambush that you don't see coming and you just get cold cocked and it's going gonna, it's gonna to lay you out? Now, first of all, if you get knocked out, you get knocked out, right? There's not a lot that you can do about that. But... There are some things you can actually do to train for how to recover as fast as possible should you not get knocked unconscious, to be able to fight back, either whether you have a firearm or whether it's just hand-to-hand. -hand. So there's one thing that, that I've developed over the years, and it was actually a military exercise that we used to do, 
and it was called the bat drill. Now, I'm not talking about anything that has to do with Batman. What I'm talking about is where you actually put your – you take a baseball bat, you put it on the ground, you put – so you you put the the bob you put hold onto the handle so it's it's standing up vertically the end of it is on the ground you put your forehead on the the handle of the top of the bat and what you do is you spin yourself around so the bat stays in place and you put your forehead on the bat and you spin yourself around 10 times as fast as you possibly can now, at the end of those 10 times, what you want to do is hopefully you have like a, a Bob training dummy or a heavy bag or even a safe training partner, somebody that's padded up or something like that. After you get done 10 times, that's going to simulate what it might be, what it might feel like if you were attacked and hit over the head and you might be dis, you're going to be disoriented. You could have some confusion. You don't know where the, the person that hit you is located. And after you get done with the bat, you're going to be very dizzy. You stand up, then you have to find your attacker. You have to be able to locate your target and then fight back in that state. This is a really powerful drill. In fact, we use this even in our firearms training for counter ambush training. And you can get, I will post a link on our blog to a video where we do this drill and we show you step by step exactly how to do it. So go ahead and check that out. And thanks for listening to our archive broadcast of Ambush Survival. Until next time, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.